0: glad you're here. The church I grew up in, uh, our pastor used to joke about being allergic to varnish. And he was, what he was commenting on is that everybody sits toward the back. I noticed I'm not allergic to varnish, but I am allergic to plastic. So it's okay that you're sitting in the back, but if you want to move up closer, no one will think badly of you. Uh, I'm Greg Eddings. I'm one of the elders here at Providence. Our pastor is on vacation this week, so uh, we'll have a slightly different protocol. Our minister today will be Reverend Rick Box, who's a retired minister in the PCA, retired missionary. We're thankful that he can be here today, and we do have communion today as well, so it's a, a full day. If you would please Take a look at the bulletin, and we'll go through a few prayer requests. Our family of the week is Iris Poole. Please pray for Iris. Uh, You can see there the Missionary of the Month. The missionaries of the month are the Payson's and the Richline's who are serving in Uruguay. Our regional home missionary, Mark Sumter, and then our church is Good Shepherd OPC. There are a few additional prayer requests I'd like to bring to your attention. The first thing is, I think most of you know that Danny Springer is at some um, training for his army career. He's away from home for the first time in his life. And uh, if you've ever had a child that's gone to the military, you know there's a lot of anxieties that are different than when your child goes to college, for example. So please pray for Danny. Uh, He's He's undergoing uh, very difficult training, and we pray that the Lord will bless him and keep him. <clears throat> also, Chris Doobie, uh you may have seen her folks are both in very poor health. She's asked that we pray for her parents. They live in San Angelo. <clears throat> okay, I think that concludes the announcements. There is no evening service tonight, by the way. For our call to worship, I'm going to read from James chapter 5. And part of the reason I chose this passage may become apparent to you as I read through it. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Please prepare your hearts for worship. Uh Join me in standing as we sing the doxology. God, maker and preserver of all things, visible and invisible, we adore you in your infinite majesty, and we bless you for your wondrous love revealed in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, to whom we, O Father, and the Holy Spirit, excuse me, to, to, to whom you, O Father, and the Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. You may be seated. It's now our privilege to remember the words that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai carved on tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, which is found in your hymnal on Roman numeral 16, and we read this together as a profession of our acknowledgement that we have fallen short of his infinite merciful law and his goodness to us. So please join me together as we read together. or that is in the water under the earth you shall not bow down to them or serve them for I the Lord your god Miguel Scott visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, daughter. Email servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. rested on the seventh day. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God gives You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Sometimes it's the amateur hour. Uh, Our prayer of confession, please pray with me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. For the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Amen. And our assurance of forgiveness is from a famous passage in John For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Please stand with me and we're going to sing together hymn 146.
1: Now, good morning. (laughs) It's it's wonderful to be here with you again. I always enjoy coming here to Providence Pres. I enjoy you. Today we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. So hear the word of the Lord. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth Thank you, Lord, that you've given us these these precious words of life. And, Father, I pray that today you would write these words on our hearts, that you would would encourage us, that you would revive us by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we come to this passage. This is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. We come to this passage. It's it's significant that this, this is a prayer of Paul, one of Paul's prayers praying for the Ephesian church, the Ephesians. And it's right in the middle of the book of Ephesians. The first couple of chapters have to do with the sovereignty of God and salvation, the sacrifice of Christ for our salvation, the love of God in giving Christ for our salvation, and the spirit indwelling in us. It's the doctrine of salvation for the first two chapters in, in Ephesians. Then the last two chapters, are about what this looks like, what this love, the spirit living in the Christian, what this looks like in everyday life. So it's very practical. And then right in the middle of this, we have this prayer of Paul. Now, this passage, as I said, it is very profound. It's very deep, and there's so much in here that it's, that it's hard to do it justice in just one sermon. As a matter of fact, Martin, Dr. Martin Lord-Jones Did an 18 sermon series on this passage. 18 sermons. And when I was looking at it, when I was studying it and and thinking about it, I can see that. I can see how that would be. It is extremely deep and profound. And in the beginning here, it says, For this reason, which for this reason refers to the, the previous two chapters, which is the sovereignty of God in our salvation and the indwelling Holy Spirit in us. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, this is significant because this is the only place in Scripture where Paul says he bows his knees. Paul prays throughout the Scripture. We have, we have tons of prayers of Paul. He prays for the churches. He prays for the things that are going on in, in, uh, around him in the culture of that time. And yet, this is the only time where he says he bows his knees before the the Father. He addresses God the Father by bowing his knees. This this shows his submission and his humility. When he bows, it's like bowing before the king. It's like bowing before a king and and bowing your head and kissing the ring. It's it's total submission. But what more importantly what it shows is the passion that Paul had in this particular prayer. He prays for spiritual riches and growth for the church. Now Paul is writing this this prayer, this book, he's writing this letter to the Ephesians. He's in prison in Rome, so he's probably chained to a guard and he's in a dungeon somewhere. So he's in a prison in Rome. What's interesting to me is what he does not ask for. He doesn't ask for, to be released. He doesn't ask to be freed from his bondage in prison. Another thing that's significant, he doesn't ask for the Ephesians, the, the, the church in Ephesus, for the people in Ephesus, he doesn't ask for their relief. The Ephesian church was extremely persecuted at the time. Idolatry was was huge in Ephesus during that time. And the Christians were were isolated. So they lost their jobs. They couldn't work because most of their jobs were around building idols, making idols and selling these idols. And they were, they were ostracized from any work. So they were suffering from poverty. They were suffering from persecution. And they certainly had their fair share of problems going on. And yet Paul doesn't pray for that. There's nothing wrong with praying for those things. When we pray for healing, scripturally, we are supposed to do that. When we pray for for our job promotion, when we pray for a test, I remember I used to pray fervently right before a test because I hadn't studied. And so I needed a miracle so that I could pass a test. That's life. We pray for these things, and God wants us to pray. He wants us to pray openly, openly. As a matter of fact, in Philippians 4, 6, it says, don't be anxious for anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We are supposed to do that. I tell you what, the most fervent prayer time of my life, and I know all of you have had times when, when things are... Things are difficult when things are going, when things are going wrong or when there's, when there's trouble or there's sickness. And you have these passionate times of prayer. The most passionate time of prayer for me was when my wife, Pam, when, when we heard, when we got the diagnosis that she had cancer. And they said she probably had a year and a half to two years to live. That, for me, was a time when I passionately Prayed. More passionately than ever before in my life. Prayed for her healing. And I prayed for God to be with us. For his presence in our lives. And God blessed me wonderfully. Instead of a year and a half to two years, Pam had four years that she lived. And she lived fairly comfortably for those four years. God relieved her of much of the pain and suffering that most of the cancer patients that, with her type of cancer went through. And he, more importantly, he blessed us with this rich communion with each other, but also with him. Those four years were a period of absolute growth in our spiritual lives. So it's okay to pray for those things. But what Paul is saying is that foundation, foundationally to everything in our life is the spiritual prayers. He's praying that they understand who they are in Christ Jesus and the eternal power that's there for them in Christ. It's a prayer of sanctification for the saints. This prayer is not material, has nothing to do with material or physical. It is absolutely spiritual. So in verse 16, it says that according to the riches of his glory may he grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So what is the riches of glory? What is the riches of God's glory? What is God's glory? What does it mean when we say glory to God? We, we hear that word glory for God all the time. It just rolls off of our tongue and goes just like this. What does glory mean? It means God's glory is that He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is holy, 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 absolute perfect and holiness. He's the judge. He's the one that we all will stand before in the end. He owns all of the past, He owns the present, He owns the future, He owns the universe because He created it. He is sovereign, He is almighty. He's the king over all kings and he holds all power in his hands. That's the riches of his glory. And we have that access. We look to that source for our spiritual blessings. And it says according to. According to the riches of his glory. It doesn't say out of the riches of his glory. Now there's a big difference there. If you have a millionaire. A millionaire. If a millionaire gives a dollar to someone, he's giving out of his millions. Now, if he gives according to his millions, it could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because it represents what he has. So the source of the giving is represented by the gift. So what Paul is praying, that according to this omnipotent, omniscient, Source we want we get that measure we get that part of that according to his his magnificence, according to his omniscience it 's reflective of the giver it's it 's like this if you were a- ch- if you 're a child when you make your Christmas list, you remember when you were kids, some of you still remember now but when you're kids and you make your Christmas list, your Christmas list generally is reflective of your parents' ability to give. So a a child from a very poor family might ask for socks without holes. Or he might ask for a box of crayons. Or maybe for a candy bar, a chocolate bar. But the child of a wealthy family... Would ask for iPhone, Xbox, latest, latest gaming, latest computers, or you get older, maybe even a car. That's according to the source, according to the ability of the source to give. That's the way we think. And that's what Paul is saying, that according to these riches, the glory of God, according to that, We should be blessed. Now, understanding the riches of God, what does Paul ask for? Strength and power. Now, when we think of strength and power, we think of someone, an Arnold Schwarzenegger, or somebody that can can lift 500 pounds, or maybe a truck that pulls thousands of pounds of cargo, or maybe a monster truck the big wheels. That's what I think of. Most people want, most people desire power of some sort. Politicians want political power. Athletes want the power to perform and they work hard and devote their lives to that, to perform. CEOs want the power to lead their companies well. CFOs want the power over all of the finances so that they can can be a, a financial blessing to this company. But Paul is talking here about something of much higher priority than any of these things. In our prayers as Christians, Paul is asking that we be granted power and strength so that Christ may dwell in us through faith. He's asking for the power and strength of faith so that Christ may dwell in us and work through us mightily. And he says, through his spirit in our inner being. Now, our inner being is the very lifeblood of our our existence. It's who we are. It's the essence of our being. It's our attitudes. It's our thinking. It's our worldview. It's how we see things. It's who we are in our essence. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, Paul says it this way. Though our outer nature, that's our outer being, though our outer nature is wasting away our inner nature, Our inner being is being renewed day by day. Now, each day I get older. And at my age, I feel it. I know I'm getting older. I know that my outer being is wasting away. I have pains that I never had pains before. I had pains in places that I never even knew I had places before. I'm not able to move as quickly as, and easily as I used to be. I'm softer, I'm weaker. But the encouraging part of all this is that I know by God's word that my inner being, that is my spiritual being, is being strengthened. It's getting stronger. Christ in me is getting stronger by the power of the spirit that lives in me. Now he says, so so that Christ may dwell in us. Now the goal of the strength and power is so that Christ may dwell in us. If we are Christians, don't we already have Christ living in us? We already have that indwelling spirit. In the first two chapters, Paul explains that that spirit is sealed in us once we believe. So for Christians, we already have that. So what is Paul referring to here? The power and strength so that Christ may dwell in us. Well, the word for dwell there literally means to settle in. It means to be comfortable in. It's Christ being comfortable or at home in us. It's not as though he's just there and we call on him like a genie. We rub and say, okay, I need this. I need a new car or I need this on my house or whatever. That's not what it is. What it is is that he's indwelling and he's comfortable there. He's living in us and he's working in us and he's living through us, working on others around us. When Pam and I, a couple of years after we got married, we... uh, we wanted to buy a house, but we couldn't afford one. So we decided to buy one and fix it up. We'd make a little money. We'd buy a house that, was, that needed some work, and we would do the work, and then we would sell it and make some money. So we got this real estate agent, this, this friend of ours, this lady, and she was showing us these houses. And we saw this one, and it seemed like it had so much potential. I mean, it, it had a lot of cosmetic stuff that needed to be done. It needed painting, it needed new flooring, it needed some stuff. So it needed cosmetic. But the, the real estate lady kept telling us, but it's got good bones. Now, you've heard that before, right? It's got good bones. Well, it didn't. We bought the house, we moved in, we started doing the cosmetic stuff. Well, while we're living there in this house, we started realizing that the plumbing was shot, it was horrible. So we had to redo almost the whole plumbing in the house. The electrical was bad. So we had to redo all the electrical in the house. So it wasn't just cosmetic. There were a lot of other things going on in this house. But we got it done. And we sold it. But when we got it all finished and got it all the way we wanted it, we wanted to stay. This house was now what we liked. But we sold it anyway because we had to recoup the cost that we'd poured into this thing. We didn't make money, but we did recoup our costs. That's what it's like. That's what it's saying here. That's what Paul is saying, that Christ wants to live in you and remodel you from the inside out. He's changing us day by day. So we're being remodeled. We are to have Christ indwelling us so greatly, so completely, that he becomes our identity. We die to ourself, so he lives through in us and through us. Verse 17 says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So here we've got this other aspect. So, so we've we, um, we got the power and the strength that, that Christ may dwell in us. But we've also been rooted and grounded in love. Now, rooted and grounded, what Paul is doing here, he's doubling doubling the strength of this statement. So the roots, the rooted has to do with like the roots of a tree or the roots of a plant. The roots of a tree, as they go down, they give that tree strength on the surface. But they also nurture that tree. And grounded is a term used for like the foundation of a house. The foundation is strong so you can build it up. So he's using these two terms in order to give you this complete thought of rooted and grounded, of of strength and nurturing and flow through us and building upward in love. He's asked for the power and strength that Christ may mightily dwell in us. And then he adds that we are rooted and grounded in love. This rooting and grounding in love is the byproduct. It's the the result of having Christ dwelling in us and remodeling us continually, growing us up inside. To be like him. Christ is the power and the strength in us and love is the product or the fruit of of that power. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, verse 18 says, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So what he's, what he's saying here is that the purpose of this of this strength and this power that results in love is that we are able to comprehend the incomprehensible. We're able to know what is unknowable. This power and strength that Paul is praying for is the ability to understand the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of Christ's love. Now, when Paul asks that we Be able to comprehend that. This word comprehend literally means to seize, to grasp it, to make it our own, to seize it or possess it. Now, something about love, to understand or to know the love of Christ. When you look up love in the dictionary, you'll get this definition of love. And we can know that in our minds, but that doesn't tell us what love is. Love is this this attribute of God, as it were. It's this attribute that we have to experience in order to know it. In order to understand it, we have to experience it. Love is experientially understood. And we can only understand love from this power to experience God's love in our lives. In Christ Jesus. And Paul uses this interesting phraseology. And he says. To know the love of Christ. That surpasses knowledge. Here he's asking for the impossible. The unknowable. This can only happen. By the power of the spirit. And by the power of the love of God. On us. His Holy Spirit power. We can't know This in our own power, no matter how powerful or intellectual or intelligent that we are. We can only know the power of love of Christ by experiencing it. And we can only share it with others by experiencing his love in our lives. In verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. That's what he's saying. We can do, we will do more than we can think or imagine, much less ask for, because that power that's in us, spiritual power, is stronger than anything that we have in ourselves. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here we've got another dichotomy. Paul is asking that we'd be filled with all the fullness of God. We can't even imagine the fullness of God. Yet Paul is asking us to be filled with it and not just filled with the knowledge, filled with the, with the um, fullness of God. But to be filled with all of it, all of the fullness of God. This is like in First 1 Peter 1.16, where it says, "Be holy as God is holy." Or in Matthew five forty eight, where it says, "Be perfect as God is perfect." We can never be holy as God is holy. We can never be as holy as God. We can't be that holy, 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 God Almighty. And we can never be perfect as Christ or as God is perfect. The point is, though, that we can continually desire it and we can grow toward it in our lives so that we are growing in our sanctification, so that we're growing in our spiritual life and our spiritual strength. And in that growth, we're bringing others along with us and growing together. It's a matter of growth in direction it's a matter of growing in maturity, spiritual maturity. In Ephesians four in the same book, a little later four verses 12 through 13, Paul says it this way, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ the fullness of Christ is the fullness of God it's the com- Christ is the complete revelation of God almighty so when we come into the fullness of Christ as we celebrate our salvation in Christ Jesus as we celebrate Christ today on this very day the lord's day we are coming into that fullness of God in Christ Jesus. So here we have this logical progression that, God, that Paul is praying that God grant us power and strength so that, we, so that Christ may dwell in us through faith, being rooted and grounded in love. The result of that is love. That we may know the love of Christ, that we may be filled with the fullness of God. What a prayer. Paul is asking God for the fulfillment of Christ's prayer in John seventeen twenty six when he said this. I made known to them. This is Jesus himself praying. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. We are to be filled with the fullness of God in Christ Jesus. And this seems impossible to us. And it is impossible for us. But not with God. Verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church, And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now you've got to admit, some of us are a mess. (laughs) I'm a mess. Take my word for it. I'm a mess. And I know that some of you are a mess too. And we look around at our culture. We see our culture is a mess. It's messed up. And it seems to be going in the wrong direction. It's getting messier instead of better. And we ask ourselves... Is God able to change it? <laughs> yes, God's able to change it. When we look at the church, the church in the United States, the church at large, it is a mess. We've got churches that you can't tell the difference from them and the world. The church is a mess, it's weak. Can God fix it? Yes, He can. He is able to reform the church. He's so much bigger than we can imagine. And he's able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. According to this, according to his power at work within us. Ephesians 3.10, Paul said this just a little bit before this prayer. He says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Billy Graham once said this. He said, heaven is full of answers to prayers that we never prayed. Let me repeat that. Heaven is full of answers to prayers that we never prayed. When we look at this prayer of Paul as the foundation, the priority in our lives, do we pray this? What? What what do you think the strength of the church in the culture in this area or in the United States at large or in the entire world, what kind of strength would the church have if every Christian was praying this prayer for themselves and for others? That by the power of the fullness of God, the riches of the glory of God, That that power would be in us and working through us. I suggest to you that we're praying for crayons. We're praying for candy bar. Instead of praying according to the riches of our Father in heaven. That's the weakness of the church and that's what God wants to give us. He just wants us to ask for it. It's there. He is the source and he has all power. We just need to ask. We know that none of this is possible in our own strength. It's only possible to grow in us by the power of God and faith in Christ Jesus. And we must be so full of Christ's love and the knowledge of God, that we pray passionately, as Paul was praying passionately with all of our being, as I was praying for my wife's healing, as you have been praying passionately in times in your life, we need to pray passionately for this in ourselves, in our children, in our families, and in others as well. It must consume us by the power of God through the love of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, our Father, according to the riches of your glory, grant us to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and the length and the height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of you in Jesus name. Amen.
0: come now to our time of intercessory prayer, and with that excellent introduction, how can we do anything but pray with enthusiasm for for the things that we are called to pray for? So please join me together as we pray. Father, we come to you this morning with hearts thankful for your goodness to us. We have considered and heard the The words of the Apostle Paul, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, where he commends to us to think beyond the mere material things that so easily entangle us and to contemplate the fullness of all that you are. We pray, Father, that that reminder might challenge us today, tomorrow, and the rest of this week, that we might indeed remember the riches of the glory that you alone hold and that you have seen fit to share with us, not because we are good, not because we deserve it, not because we have somehow earned it, but because you have chosen to give it to us by the suffering, by the death, by the burial and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we come to you this morning with boldness, acknowledging that we belong to you we are not our own, and because we belong to you, you are eager to hear from us. And we come to you, therefore, asking not for a candy bar, but for things that are far, far worth, worth far, far more. So we acknowledge, Father, that you are indeed the giver of every good and perfect gift, that you would withhold nothing from your children, that you are eager to give us all the fullness that you alone possess. So we pray in faith these items of prayer. We think, first of all, for our sister Iris Poole, our family of the week. Father, we pray that you would be with Iris. Give her comfort. Give her what she needs to thrive in this life and in her work and the things that you called, us, called her to do. We pray for our missionaries working in Uruguay, the Payson's and the Rich Lines and their children. We pray that you would bless them, cause their work to prosper, cause the gospel to go forth in that land so that the Folks that are under their care might hear the gospel and believe and obey it. We pray for those in our church who are ill. We think of folks like Eileen Vanderly and Dorothy Lowry, for others in our church, Sue Springer's mom, Joyce, for Hal Griswold, for Alan Story, for Corey's mother, Cornelia, for Kay, for Ikari for Rosalie, for others in our church who are suffering. We thank you, Father, for Danny Springer. this day. We thank you that Danny has made a decision to serve his country. And we pray that you would bless him, keep him safe, cause him to succeed in his training, that he might be prepared to do that which you call him to do in days to come. Father, we pray for our sister, Chris Duby and the difficulties that she is having in her family with her ailing parents. We know that this can be a source of great anxiety, we pray that you would bless Chris and give her all that she needs. Father, we pray for our expectant mothers, for Rebecca Broccolo, for Emerald Conter. We ask that you would have mercy on both of these women and the children that they carry and their extended families, that they're Pregnancies might be free from care and anxiety, that they might, by your good providence, deliver wonderfully healthy children. Father, we think also in this day of a time when Elijah the prophet prayed that it would not rain, and it did not. And yet, there's a time, Lord, when he came to you in prayer pleading with you to send rain and we plead that same prayer today father we need rain we pray that you would bless us with abundant rain that we might be delivered from this extremely dry period of weather we know that you can do this father we don't understand the causes and the effects of everything that we see in this world but we know that you are in charge and we ask that you would have mercy on us and send us rain Father, we thank you finally for our pastor and his family. We are thankful that he can be away from us for a while and take a time of refreshment. We pray that you would continue to watch over Bob and Adelinda, Tristan, Nash, and Kylie. Give them all that they need. Prepare them to return in due time. Father, we thank you for this church. There are many things that go unspoken in any prayer, things that are at the heart of things that trouble us the most. And we commit all of these things to you, knowing that you know, even before we ask, that you are able to do far more abundantly because of your power working within us. And so we commit to you these things, trusting in your eternal power and your awesome mercy that you would deliver us and those that we care about, not necessarily to material blessings, but most certainly to those blessings which you alone hold. And now, Father, as we've been commanded by our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, our deacons are preparing to receive the collection. And as we so frequently say, remember that the Lord loves the cheerful giver. Standing as we recite together the Apostles' Creed, which is found on page 851 in your hymnal. The Apostles' Creed, page 851. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Also, we have the privilege now of singing hymn 465. So please turn to, p- remain standing, and sing with me hymn number 465.
1: can come together as your people, as the body, as your body on this earth. And we can celebrate our salvation in Christ Jesus. That we can insert ourselves into the drama of your death and your burial and resurrection. And we identify with you. Father, thank you for strengthening us. By your Spirit, in Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Please stand with me as we sing Him One Hundred and Fifty C. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.